Hey everyone, you're listening to On Sunday, a weekly episode of the Canby Christian Church podcast where three pastors get together in an odd-smelling church basement. Uh, and on a Tuesday this week, not on a Monday, but we talk about what happened on Sunday. We appreciate you listening. If you want to, subscribe to the podcast, rate it, leave a review. That helps other listeners find it. If you don't have a church and you live in the Canby area, we'd love to have you attend Canby Christian Church. Check out canbychristian.org. If you have a question you want featured on the podcast in the future, email us at office at canbychristian.org. I'm Cody. I'm our uh, pastor of worship and students. And I'm Aaron pastor of Cami Christian Church. <laughs> the whole dang thing, huh? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I am Rob, the associate pastor of the church. We always like to kick off the podcast uh, by talking about something that happened to us this week. Uh, Aaron and Rob, you guys are both California transplants. Mm. You had some friends come up for a visit. Yeah, we. Uh, our friends, Brad and Lindsay Ormonde, uh, we served in ministry together. That's that's where we met, was in ministry at our last church. And uh, he was born and raised in that church. His dad's a pastor there, too. Um, but, yeah, they came to visit. It was, it was cool because I've known Brad since he was in his early 20s or something, and now he's in his early 30s. And um, so we've been friends for a long time, done ministry for a long time together. We, Rob and I and our wives and we were all having kids at the same stage of life and and then they were too brad and Lindsay, and uh but we all have gone our separate ways now and that's kind of weird because um i mean rob just got up here but there's just been a lot of change in the last four years he recently him and his wife planted a church in cala mesa which is from riverside california heading out toward uh, Palm Springs and Palm Desert and all that, probably halfway through, but a huge booming area. And so they just planted a church, uh, an SBC church. Um, but yeah, planting a church, starting from nothing, you know, you, you have a different view and perspective on what God is doing. So this was his first vacation away from the church plant after starting it six months ago or so. And so it was cool to be encouraged by their stories, but also to encourage them as they continue to labor in that, in that work. Um, but it, like I said, we've been friends and we, their, their little girls now are five or six and four. And I'm like, I remember they were little, little, little babies, you know? So it was cool to see our kids all, all play together. But one of the cool things about, uh, them coming up here was Brad and Lindsay, they had hadn't seen this church since Michelle and I had moved up here. And, I, I usually like to ask people who visit, like, what was their experience like coming to Cami Christian? And uh, of all the things that someone could say, Brad said the thing that I hope everyone says, which is, yeah, worship, you know, they expect music, uh, they expect worship, they expect a sermon, you know, they expect uh, certain things, announcements to be made and all that. But what blew Brad away was just how friendly the church was and the fact that people hung around afterward and talked mm -hmm. to each other. And I, I probably as a church planter, you're just trying to get people to help set up and tear down. <laughs> um, and so he's like, how come nobody's sticking around because they don't want to help tear down? Um, so he's trying to create that culture, obviously, in their church plant. But I think it was really just the thing that blew him away. And, and my hope when people come or visit is they walk away and sure they have an experience with the worship or with the sermon, but I hope that they fall in love with the people and I hope that the people really get to know them. And, and it was cool to see that Brad, uh, without any solicitation on my part, that was a thing that, that stuck out to him. So more kudos on the church than anyone else, you know? But yeah, yeah it was cool. Yeah. I mean, that's what's, I mean, it's been a couple of years now since I first visited, but even then that culture had already, been somewhat created it's mm, grown mm -hmm. in that time still and then obviously covid took a hit of that yeah, and then it sure. like grew again um but <clears throat> i was struck by that the first time i visited this place too just people wanting to be together wanting to talk to each other it's a right. great it is a great feeling yeah it's and a, i mean people are not dumb they can see when that's genuine <laughs> They can see when, you know, people are just putting on a face. Yeah. But then when you actually really get to know people, they don't they really don't want to get to know you. They're clicky or they're this or that. And 
and again, people know like, wow, these people really love each other. These people really want to know me. Mm -hmm. And this is a place that I can really belong, you know? And I think that that's to me, uh, evidence of God's working among us, which is really a wonderful thing. But yeah, that was cool. That was a, a cool thing. See them and then have them see the church. And then to hear that report, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, cool. It's always fun to encourage a church planter, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. How about Rob? Good week? Yeah, yeah, good week. Um, pretty cool. My my daughter finally started walking. She's been kind of like teeter-tottering for a while. She's been pulling herself up on everything for a few weeks. But this week, she finally committed. She stopped being lazy and crawling around everywhere. <laughs> she started, uh, yeah, getting up and walking around, and um, she was even doing it around the church uh, Sunday and, and all over the place. But her favorite place is is the stairs, which... Oh, jeez. <laughs> is a dangerous place to learn but she is like a magnet to those stairs she just runs over to them she wants to climb them and uh yeah so i'm trying to keep her away from the stairs but she is walking so the next step is going to be the next level of baby proofing in the Mm, house um so she rolled down them yet i think uh, well (laughs) no (laughs) i'll just go with no Uh, <laughs> at least not anything significant. I don't know. Sometimes yeah. she does something. I hear her crying and I turn around. I don't know what she just did. So <laughs> it's, it's always possible with kids. Yep. You can't watch them a hundred percent of the time, uh, even yeah. though you try it. It's a mystery. I'm confused if this is a high or a low report because the high is that she's walking the low is that she's walking yeah <laughs> it's, she's it's gonna a mix get into everything and all that it's uh it's it's exciting a new stage but it's also a new set of responsibilities so man, yeah man. It, it's cool i heard it said before man god works all today mm, things together you know i think i, I think I, I read that somewhere yeah yeah, yeah i've heard the same <laughs> Uh, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, d- a decent week. It was a little bit less busy, which has been good. I've had a couple of busy ones in a row. Um, Emily is getting ready to leave for Haiti tomorrow. So um, it's happening. It is happening. Wow. Yep, they've all tested uh, negative for COVID. They're cleared for international travel. Mm. Um, so they'll be heading to Haiti. Uh, her team is uh, working with an orphanage over there. Um, and taking lots of supplies. And we have a child we sponsor at that orphanage, so Emily gets to go and actually see her, uh, which is a a really cool thing that not a lot of people who sponsor children get to do, so it's really kind of a a neat and special thing. Uh, So she's been getting ready for that, um, and I haven't really been helping at all. (laughs) Um, Just stay out of the way. Yeah, Is this her first international trips since covid since covid yes my god they had been her her organization is called go inc they've been shut down really uh since covid and so she's really pumped up that type of travel that type of ministry really feeds her yeah um and so she's really really excited to to be able to go and do something again uh, especially with these organizations that they work with that they haven't been able to take any supplies to or to minister to right. at all so Really exciting, um, and then people the, may not know that though about Emily that she they may not is like the boss of this uh, <laughs> Go yeah. Inc. this short term mission trip, yes, and kind of ongoing partnerships though, right, with um, these organizations yeah. in Haiti and in Mexico. Yeah, one of them is the Mexico trip that we that we As take our teenagers too, on. Yeah, yep. um, and then yeah, <clears throat> one more organization in Peru. Um, and then expanding to the Philippines, possibly yeah. at some point in the near future. Um, so but the yeah. purpose of it is a lot of smaller churches don't have a missions pastor or director right. or minister or uh, you know someone to oversee that, and so she can come in and be that person for them and help them plan short term mission trips yep. and all that. Coordinates stuff. all cool. of it, gets them all to the airport at the same time, gets them all landed and yep. all the vehicles and. Stuff that's just mind-boggling for me, but if you know Emily, she she, she can gets handle it, it done. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. What's um, mind What's mind-boggling for me is how you're gonna survive without your wife. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it done. It's a it takes a village, right? <laughs> so we'll get it done with lots of help. Um, but yeah, now me and the girls have a pretty good routine when she's gone. We we get it figured out all right. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe we just we got a question. That- Oh, week. we got a question. Is that where we're going to go now? Sure, let's do it. We're going to start with a question, and then we'll get into the text. Yes, we've been encouraging you to ask questions. We've gotten a few. You can submit them on a connection card on Sunday. You can email office at canbechristian.org, or we've even gotten them submitted through Instagram. 
Nice. And so we're gonna we're gonna work through questions as as we get them and uh, keep asking them, even if you haven't got yours answered yet. Yeah, keep we'll, asking them. We'll hopefully get to it. Yeah. <laughs> this this question comes to us. We were having a debate earlier of whether or not we should keep these questions anonymous. But for this question and for this person, we're going to say the name. Uh, this is Jeannie Iman, and she asked a couple of weeks ago, but she we are answering it now. How do we, I'm assuming we being Christians, obviously, biblically respond to the culture around us? And she bullet points three potential context for that. Number one, freedoms that are lost. Number two, free speech and debate. And then three, social justice issues and all of these sort of things. So how do we as Christians respond uh, to these, uh, maybe culture wars that could be, (laughs) uh, cultural issues, social issues, um, particularly here in the United States? around these things. Cody, you got that question? Yeah, I mean, it's just a real... <laughs> thanks, Jeannie, for a real softball yes. for our first question. Jeez. <laughs> it's a beach beach ball. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't... I mean, you want me to answer it? I mean, we'll all answer it. We'll all give it... How about you take the uh, social justice one? That'll be, that'll be yours. It's kind of Not like... Not controversial at it's, all. It's a huge question. It is a very, it's very big. Very so big. we could probably maybe give some some wisdom in a short you know shortened version of it because there's no way we could tackle each of those each each of those is a podcast unto itself pretty much well and really we could we could answer a question and maybe like you know by the time we get done with this podcast we'll open up something on twitter and the whole Mm. the whole question will have changed and we'll need a whole nother response it's like it's like changing by the week really I, I, I mean, if I was to stimulate the discussion a, a yeah. particular direction, I think the fact that she says, how do we biblically respond? Uh, I think engagement, Christian mm-hmm. engagement in culture, for sure, is our responsibility. Right. In, in fact, we, there's this word evangelical, which has <laughs> taken on all kinds of different uh, meanings over the last like 80 years. But to be an evangelical means I believe the Bible is inerrant. I believe in uh, someone's personal conversion in the gospel and they're placing faith in Jesus Christ, not that their parents passed it down to them or I was baptized as a Catholic, therefore I'm good. No, this is personal conversion. But then another aspect of being an evangelical is you believe in social action. You believe Mm. in being involved in bringing about God's kingdom work in the society that I am living in or maybe in some other space. I heard a professor say one time, if you wonder if you're an evangelical, if you're on an airplane and you feel that little tug on your heart to talk to the person sitting next to you, you're probably an evangelical. (laughs) And I just thought that was a funny little experience of way of putting it. Like you just believe in getting involved. You see something and you're saying, how do I as a Christian respond to that? And to to not feel that, I would be curious if, like, how much you're really leaning into the Spirit and sensitive to the Spirit's leading, and how much has the gospel really impacted you because you want to bring about the change that God has brought change in your life. So all that to say is, I think it's good that she's asking the question and that she's asking the question from what does the Bible actually say? Where does it guide <laughs> us? And And understanding the Bible doesn't speak directly to, like, 21st century issues, but yet it does give us a, a framework, a worldview um, in, in order to understand that. So I, anyway, I think that's an initial thing. I think we absolutely need to be involved. Where is the church's place in that? Like I, a couple of years ago, I had a, a, a lady actually come up to me and it was, it, it, I forget what the particular issue was, but I just remember she kind of got in my face and was like, Aaron, where are our pastors at? <laughs> where are our pastors in these discussions? And I'm like, like, what do you want me to do? You want me to go to the city council meeting? Like, <clears throat> I mean, I could do that as a parent, but like my role as a pastor is to equip saints and our job, right, as pastors is to equip saints to go and do ministry. 
to think biblically about all these particular issues. But yeah, I think they like people naturally instinctively are looking for like someone to go out and do that hard work for them. And it's like, no, my job, cause I can't be everywhere at all times. Like I'm not a politician. I'm not a uh, social activist in one sense I am. And in one sense I can speak into these issues, but my primary role, if, if I d dive into those other areas, if we do, then we were experiencing mission drift. Our job is to preach the gospel, to equip saints, for them to go out into their spheres of influence and be that influence in, in their sphere for the kingdom of God. And, and I just remember feeling like someone was in my face and asking me to get off what God wants me to do, which is to teach people and equip people through the scriptures, and instead take up uh, a, a, a political party and move a particular, whatever that party is, I don't really care what it is. Um, the point is, is, I have to do this thing now. So people have these particular angles and thoughts of this is what social activism must look like. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, and, and so knowing what uh, a church's responsibility is, I definitely do not think churches, pastors should be preaching politics from the pulpit on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Our job on Sunday is to worship and glorify God through his word and the edification of the saints in his word. If we're, I, I've said before, if we're opening up the newspaper on Monday and saying, God, what do you want your people to know <laughs> this next week? Then we are totally off base. Mm -hmm. Like we open up the Bible and say, God, what do you, because if we're doing that, we're just chasing, chasing cultural narratives. And they're they're all over the place. They're a rat's nest. They don't mm -hmm. even know. They're just chasing anything that gets people riled up. Um, so I think that churches, our role in how we engage in regard to like the institution and a, and a local church institution really is to e equip, motivate, inspire. If if somebody went out and did something, they came back. You know, we can be there to to correct or hold accountable or whatever that is. Um, but it's not our job to be. Uh, political outposts. Hmm. Uh, and I think that that's s uh, somewhat of a danger. Um, it doesn't mean, again, that churches can't speak into issues. Like, that's what this podcast is could be for, too, is we could talk about a particular... Like, if Jeannie gave us a particular thing here <clears throat> that was a little bit more narrow, you know, we could say, like, hey, we're going to have a whole episode on that. You know, let's talk about it. But on Sunday morning... You know, we're not going to soapbox some mm -hmm. like political issue or something. But I absolutely think that Christians should be involved in the various spheres of culture, in politics, in economics, in the arts, in uh, wh whatever it is. You know, we should be in involved and engaged and look for common grounds um, for by which we can support those things. Like, I mean, we can partner up with Catholics and with. Mormons even to some degree, if we share a similar ethic, uh, we might not have the same uh, indicative for that ethic, but we can we can partner in some things like abortion, you know, like we we are pro-life. Mm -hmm. And if there's other groups that are, I mean, even if it's an, an atheist, but they're pro-life, hey, we'll partner with you on that if you want to do it from a purely humanitarian side of things, like let's partner together in that. So anyway, I think just in involvement, but it's hard to know exactly where yeah. Jimmy's coming from. Get involved. From what I hear you saying is balancing the ultimate mission of the church and God's people, right? Which is to preach the gospel and to love our communities, you know, to display the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's like our primary mission. But outpouring from that is caring for the poor. It is caring for the, the those who are suffering injustice. Those, you know, all of those things outflow from that, but they're not the main thing. And so when they become the main thing, then things can get really out of balance, I think is what I hear you say. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, as pastors, we're not political activists necessarily, but we will speak to issues that are politically, you know, hot topics, sure. you know. Um, but anyways, as you were talking, one of the one of the texts that came to my mind as we were thinking about this earlier um, which I always come back to and I think is really helpful is found in the book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah is a prophet who's speaking to the Jewish people who have just been taken into captivity into Babylon for their own sinfulness their own idolatry and as they're in this horrible situation where they are in a, a culture that is 
you know, completely opposed to God. Um, <clears throat> this is what God tells them. We see in <clears throat> Jeremiah 29, starting in verse four, it says, thus says the Lord, um, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, in, in the new Testament, Peter starts that text. And we we're just looking at that as well and calls the church elect exiles. Uh, so similarly, the, the Christian church in the New Testament is also exiles who are in a culture that is not our home. This is not, um, you know, our citizenship is in heaven, but at the same time, even though we are not of this world, we are in this world. So we're in a similar situation to, to the Jewish people here in the Old Testament. Uh, anyway, so God has sent them into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then verse five tells them, build houses and live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So it's, it seems that God, even though, you know, these people, the, the, the people of God have sinned against him and are in the situation where they're um, you know, exiled and essentially sort of enslaved in this new um, culture that's not their own, God instructs them to, like you were kind of just mentioning, seek the welfare of that place and pray. So a few things we can do right off the bat, obviously, first and foremost, is pray <laughs> about these issues, right? Mm -hmm. We can pray about whatever social issue um is is taking place whether it be racial injustice whether it be abortion is is there's a very big um <clears throat> bill well case coming to the supreme court very soon and there's a lot of talk uh, on capitol hill about abortion right now and some amazing things happening around it and uh, we need to be praying we mm -hmm. need to be praying that the legislation that the texas that texas passed recently is upheld and that we continue to see um, the lives of the unborn protected. And that's the first thing we can do. But we can also, you know, seek the welfare of our city by getting involved in ways that um, that are in line with the gospel. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we in, so we should not disengage. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the main point of this. It, it, it's, it would be easy for them who are sort of taken into exile to just just disengage from culture, build walls, stay behind them and not get involved with the city right. because they are this evil city and right. we are the people of God. Despite the fact that at this time, the people of God were not acting very godly most of the <laughs> That's time. That's how they got there, right? Which is true for, <laughs> That's you know, how they got there, yeah. it's true for Christians as well, but they could have easily done that. And I think too often we do that. And so I think that's maybe what Jeannie is bringing up. Like we need to not build walls and stay behind them. We need to get yeah. engaged prayerfully and wisely, but not lose sight of the mission. But look at, look at how funny that is. Like the, so the word exile, like we, we as Christians struggle with this idea of my citizenship in heaven, my citizenship in my actual like country, right? And I think people get syncretistic in that syncretism is this fancy word that's saying like both and they're the same thing, right? But one is higher than the other. But either way, like I'm when I become a Christian, I am an exile in this world. I am a sojourner, stranger, mm -hmm. pilgrim just passing through, right? I, I can be a citizen of this place. Paul was still a citizen of Rome and still appealed to that citizenship, but he was a citizen of heaven and first and foremost, and he understood that. But it's this idea, and, and I think the nation of Israel struggled with this, to think like, we don't, have a seat, we don't have a seat at the table anymore. We're not in power. We used to be in Jerusalem and in power. Now all of a sudden we're like not in power and we're in Babylon. And I think that's where a lot of Christians... Are struggling right now because they're like, man, in the 80s and in the 70s, I had a seat at the table and I had representation yeah. in Washington, D.C. And now I don't. And now I'm, it's not cool to be a Christian. And like, what am I going to do? And how come all these people aren't thinking like Christians? Because uh, they're not Christians. <laughs> and they're like surprised by this. And we need to accept the fact that we as Christians, true, genuine believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are living in exile. This is not our home. And we, but we want to be the salt of the earth. We want to help the decay that is coming no matter what because of sin. So accepting that, number one. But the hilarity to me of this text is, look at how simple. Hmm. No, there must be some bigger way to affect culture. No, no, there's not some bigger way. Just build a house, like like buy a home, 
<laughs> live in your neighborhood, get to know your neighbors, let them see your way of life, um, plant gardens. So like basically work and eat, uh, get married. Don't stop having kids. I, I, I don't know if I could possibly raise kids in this world today. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to. I don't want my kids having kids because I, I don't I can't imagine them living in this. No, don't do that. Have kids. Continue to live your life. Uh, raise them up to know Jesus. Don't don't decrease your number because the more increase, you'll have influence and a voice in that. And then, like you were talking about earlier, like engage, seek the welfare of the city. Don't try and tear it down. Don't go into council meetings and rip people apart verbally. <laughs> you know, seek the welfare. Uh, be a good representation of of Jesus and pray to the Lord on its behalf, not for people's downfall, but for them to be, to see Christ and to see the appropriate ethic. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, I think that's what a lot of Christians struggle with is just like, it's really the simple things. Like you were talking about earlier, Cody, in, in one of our meetings, like go to church, get in small groups, uh, <laughs> pray, read your Bible. Like it, it, sometimes it just boils down to those simple disciplines, but we're looking for the big fix all thing. And it's like, nah, just do these simple things. And, and watch God work and, yeah. and change a culture and change a, a, a community, you know? Um, yeah, these people who are, are some people who are fighting for freedoms and then appealing to their faith, I find it hilarious that most of them aren't even going to churches anymore. Hmm. And they're, they're like, they're mad at churches because we're <clears throat> not like political or, or being these political outposts. And it's like, so you've just given up on the church really. But so, so now you're just this floundering entity or whatever out there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now I'm rambling. I'm going to get off, Cody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get off. Well, I was just thinking that we, uh, you know, to bring it to bring it back a little bit, we have like an example of living with tension of your culture in Jesus, you know, not yeah. to just say Jesus for every answer oh, like Jesus in Sunday juke. school, but Jesus is. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately for most of the questions we're going to have, Jesus is the answer. He is. <laughs> on this podcast. But um, but what did Jesus do? Like he didn't come, you know, the, the Jewish people didn't want, or the, at least the Pharisees, the leaders of the Jewish people didn't want his teaching. The Roman government don't want him to be a king, and he's caught between the two. And That's what right. did he do? He didn't overthrow either one. He yeah. actually, like, lived the way he should. You know, he said, go, like, pay your taxes. I don't care. Yeah. Go pay your taxes. Like, <laughs> but, to Caesar with but, Caesars. Yeah, but <laughs> in the long run, he disobeyed. But in a way, he didn't really disobey because he accepted the punishment for what he did. He didn't try to, you know, cause this crazy uprising and cause this insane war and take over all these areas. Yeah. What he did is he lived his life. Are you saying Jesus didn't exercise free speech? I I mean, Jesus definitely <laughs> exercised free speech, but he took the punishment, right, for right. his free speech. Right. Like he, you know, there were consequences. And for the most part, he submitted to the consequences of that culture too. So there's a, I think, uh, you know, it's probably not fun to think of that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we don't get to like just take over and make the rules. But sometimes following Jesus will mean we can't follow certain rules and we accept the punishment because that was our example is Jesus yep. did that all the way yep. to death, you know? So um, you're saying if we preach the gospel, if we live our Christian ethic out, or if we talk about these things, people aren't going to like us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm saying if someday it's illegal to to preach the gospel. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to jail, and right? we're going to jail. <laughs> I mean, I think we're all, like, cool with that, right? Yeah. Well, we're not cool with it, but it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. We can, all we're rec- we can all reconcile that, and, like, that's what will happen to yeah. us at that point, you know? Yeah. That's what we see in the book of Acts. <laughs> yeah. When they begin, you know, to spread the gospel, and chapter 4 there, they called them and charge them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus, but Peter and John answer them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard, or we cannot but speak. In other words, we must speak right, yeah. of the reality of who Jesus is. Yeah, so, and then they got beat and they rejoiced for getting beaten <laughs> yeah, in prison in the name right? of Jesus. In, yeah, just anyways, we're going to spend some time in Acts next year in life groups. So that'll be Spring, fun. Spring, yeah. Sweet. But, um, but yeah, that's a good question, Jeannie. Absolutely. Good question. And we'll have a new answer for you next week when yeah. our culture is completely changed. Yep. <laughs> cool. Uh, so let's move on to the sermon. Yeah. The sermon, the uh, let's just read it. We, got, we were in Romans 8, 28 through 30 this week. 
Um, and it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. A ton of stuff packed in mm-hmm. to those couple of verses. Um, but Aaron, you really broke it down into kind of four main thoughts that you had there. Do you want to start with the first one? Yeah, I mean, whenever you're thinking about a passage of Scripture <laughs> like this that's so well known, you right. know, you're trying to think through like, but what is the what is the big idea here? What is the what what's helpful? What is Paul's point? What's God's point in in this text? And I mean, we've already kind of gone through the the narrative up up to this point in Romans, and so this is a, a climactic moment in Paul's. And we know we know what well off of all the things I've already talked about. You know, we know these things. We're assured of this stuff, and and assured of it in light of the gospel. Um, but I think when I when I thought about this text, I was hung up on that, and we know because mm. when it comes to a life experience thing, there's just so many things we don't know. I mean, our you know family members are in the hospital and all this stuff, and we're like, God, how are you going to work this this out yeah. for good? I I don't know that, and I was a little I don't know I was just reading it, and I for some reason was hung up on that, and that's why I think I approached it that. Yeah, it feels way. like what we do know for sure is that a bunch of bad stuff's gonna happen. To yeah, us. that's what we know if yeah. we like think about it. You know, yeah. it's it's almost like he's saying, you know how like when something is going on and you're unsure, we tend to reassure ourselves and be like, no, I know yeah. God loves me. I know that you know. Let's say you're having you're questioning a relationship that you have with a friend, and it's like, no, I know this person. I know they wouldn't do that to me. You know, and I mean. I, I, in some sense, I sort of, I sort of think that maybe, maybe that's behind it as well, where he's like, we know this to be true. We need to remind ourselves of this truth. But yeah, you're right. We know some things, we don't know others. And I think that was a helpful framework for us to understand this text. Yeah. Well, the, the context in chapter eight is also interesting because earlier he was saying things like, well, we know this, we know that. He says, in verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. And we looked at that a few weeks ago. And uh, so he's talking about this, like we know this, we know that. But then later on, he says in verse 26, for there's sometimes though in our weakness, we don't know what mm-hmm. to pray. And the spirit helps us in our weakness. And so I think the the framework this this last week was, hey, there's things we know, but even Paul admits there's things even in that knowing that is still a mystery to us. And and we don't know those things, and the Spirit helps us in those things. And sometimes faith should just, or in the other things, faith should enable us to say, God, I, I know I'm not going to know everything, but I know you do, and I'm going to trust you and what those things are and how you work, um, which kind of framed the the four ideas that God yeah. is at work, that God is good, that God loves me, and that he has a plan for all of our lives through all of the circumstances that we go through. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people, though, like when you look at this, I, I went through, I, I don't know, I had some thoughts a week ago when I was hunting on a hunting trip, and it wasn't so much like the hardship or difficulty that I was thinking about in this verse. It was like, some like the all things is not just the bad things because if we're honest like they're those are kind of rare mm-hmm. like we have big moments and they happen and they're life-altering at times but how about just like washing the dishes every day yeah. like those little <laughs> tiny irritants cleaning up after your kids mowing your lawn every day or every week or whatever like those those things was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to give any more time to that. Um, like all these things, the, the small, the, the mundane, the, the rare, the common stuff, we see that God can actually make those uncommon, sanctified events as he sanctifies us through the activity of his spirit and his word in those experiences. And um, I don't know, for me, I, I think as a person who's always looking to like, 
okay, God, what do you, what's next? What's next? What's next? And when he's like, I'm not going to tell you, uh, I just want you to keep doing what you're doing right now for the next like three years. <laughs> like that scares me like, okay, we'll just keep doing this then for the next three years. It's like driving on I five through the middle of California, which is just like, looks like an eternal drive for the next few <laughs> hours and it's just, there's no scenery yeah. and I'm like oh that's this is the worst and sometimes life can feel that way and how God can even use those experiences to uh to shape you you know I don't know those were some thoughts that I, <clears throat> I had initially going into it yeah what are your thoughts well if we look at these uh four things I thought it could be interesting to go through each of them and maybe personalize them a bit the first one we know that God is at work, right? But we don't know how. And I thought maybe we could <clears throat> briefly look back in in general terms, how like look back at our own lives and think like, how has God done something in our lives that we were at the time baffled, mm. sad, you know? And now we look back with the with the beauty of hindsight and with wisdom that God has developed in our hearts and minds, and look back and see, oh. I see what you did, God, you know, and um, there are, I'm sure there are many in our lives, both very, you know, small and more significant. For me, I was thinking back to a time when I first became a Christian and um, I was studying the Bible through the book of Romans with, um, with a friend of mine who lived across the street. So I had just become, I basically became a Christian as I was reading the early chapters of Romans, um, which we studied not long ago as a church. And it was the most impactful time for me. <clears throat> I went to this little church. I heard the gospel, um, you know, more or less presented. <laughs> and it was the Holy Spirit made it clear to me that I needed to investigate. It was just this supernatural thing that, that was in me to investigate the Bible for myself. And as I was studying through the book of Romans, I became a Christian. And simultaneous to that, I was attending this small church, getting very involved in the small church. And um, was completely naive to, you know, the the deeper theological realities of of God, of what mm. is a church, like what is a church member supposed to do? Like as any young Christian, mm -hmm. I knew, okay, you know, I am messed up and I have <laughs> sinned against God. Right. I knew that. And Jesus is perfect and amazing. And he gave himself so that I could join his family. Like, mm. whoa, I get that. And I feel incredibly blessed. I can't believe it. So I got that. I got the gospel, <clears throat> but I didn't know anything about like what the Bible taught, what I was like, the in intricate things that I was supposed to understand. And, and I think that's the case for, for all Christians. Yeah. yeah. So in the course of the few months that I was there, I was reading and studying through the book of Romans with a, with a friend of mine, um, who's still a dear friend of mine. Um, and a pastor and he has his own ministry in Southern California and we became really close friends. Um, and he was for all intents and purposes, sort of the, let's say associate pastor of this church, which really was a very small church plant. Mm -hmm. Nobody was on staff. It was, it was 30, 40 of us meeting in the room of a youth, like the youth room of another church. So essentially it was a Bible study where no one was su supported. We were all young adults. And, um, <clears throat> anyways, during this time, uh, it became clear that there was some very strange biblical teachings. And I was so naive to everything, I had no idea what was right or wrong. And so through the study of this, it became clear that there was real theological problems. And so we ended up having this church that we were meeting in their building. Uh, my, my friend called a meeting with those elders who were more or less overseeing this small Bible study mm. slash church plant. And we met with those elders and we had like, it you know it was a very difficult situation because it was like meeting with these group of older christians who were stronger in the faith i was sort of there as a witness saying like here are the things that are happening in the church that are unbiblical which i won't go into necessarily um and so it was almost like a council like mm -hmm. and and you know the pastor who was essentially you know the person who you know was instrumental in my my coming to know christ was on trial and I was, uh, and I was good friends with them, but at the same time I was trying to, I was trying to get to truth and I just wanted, you know, truth to win out in the Bible, the biblical realities to, um, to, you know, bring unity that did not happen. We ended up 
splitting and bumping heads and going separate ways. It was very traumatizing as a young Christian for me to go through this. And I can remember like literally that week studying through Romans 8 and reading that verse and just being so filled with this amazing truth that all things work together for good. And then I go into this meeting and I felt like, how is this good? Mm -hmm. This is like psychologically traumatizing mm -hmm. for me. And, um, and anyways, I won't get into all the details, but it was a very difficult thing. But I remember talking to him in the parking lot afterwards and I, I pulled out the Bible and I opened to chapter eight of Romans and I was like, but you know what? I mean, we're mm -hmm. having problems, but I know that all this is going to work together for good because, mm -hmm. you know, God loves us mm -hmm. and he wants, he wants the best for us and he will, he, for our good and for his glory. And, uh, and you know, we split and there's a lot of lost friendships and I, I don't know what the outcome of that was, but looking back now, I see how that was so impactful in my development as a Christian to see, wow, this is like, these are heavy things that I need to take seriously. So it, it was the impetus for me to get into the Bible and study it so, so thoroughly and to understand theology as best as I could. Mm. And it was, it was pretty much, you know, one of the instrumental moments in me, in my calling, you know, to get to where I am now. Yeah. So anyways, that was one thing. I know it was a little bit long winded, but yeah, it's hard. We, it's hard to know, like, accept the fact that God is at work, but he just doesn't do things the way that we think it, no. it's going to happen. I mean, obviously the gospel is the quintessential example of that. How, how can the death of your son result in life for all you know how, how can what is an obvious loss turn into a win you know but mm -hmm. that's the countercultural nature um uh of of just being a christian you know if you want to save your life you'll lose it and i and, and give it up obviously for all your agenda your will and submit it to the the will of god um for your life and i i think the the bigger question with that too is uh the goodness of god and okay, we know God's working, but man, I don't, I don't know if he means good for me. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, if you Cody have had an experience like that. I mean, not necessarily. I like, I've lived a pretty cushy life. If, I, <laughs> <laughs> if you're really thinking about <laughs> I, it, I appreciate I think, the honesty. If I think sober about it, you know, I, I mean, I think that's what like what i appreciate about rob's story is he he went at a time when it didn't feel true because lots of this stuff yeah it doesn't feel true and he went to the bible and really like preached to himself yeah like this is what i need to hear you know and uh um and hung on to that you know so i think um i think when i have a, a harder time is trying to go okay like god god is so good but like you know, it, it's like what you said. We think of the worst things when we look at this passage. We don't go like, oh, why do we have to do the dishes every day? We like this passage brings to mind like, you know, why is that baby born with a terrible disease, suffers mm -hmm. for three days and then dies? Why did that happen? How mm -hmm. could that be part of God's plan? Um, and I think sometimes what has um, maybe maybe I'll let you respond to it because I I like to look at different um, – I like to read lots of different theological viewpoints. Um, and I know, like, what our church believes. Mm -hmm. And that and that's what we preach, the doctrine mm -hmm. we have. And so maybe to play, like, devil's advocate for a second, there are people who would say, well, God – God doesn't know everything. Mm -hmm. God God knows everything that can be known. Mm. He knows everything that can be known. So like he's he's removed himself enough to give us free will. He knows everything we could do, but until we do it, he doesn't know what's been done. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so yeah. people will say, you know, that God didn't, you know, God wouldn't let that baby be born on purpose. He wouldn't design that cuz he didn't know until we did it all the sin that we brought into the world and all of the the ugliness that we've brought into the world. Yeah. Um. What What would be your response to that? Why would Why would that be a, a maybe a problematic way of thinking about God? Yeah. I mean, it is. It is problematic. What What we're actually What people are actually doing in that is attempting to remove God in order to protect him yeah. <laughs> as if he needs that from us. It feels to, nicer, right? <laughs> it, it's like, well, 
like to protect his goodness mm-hmm. this thought about well if he is good then there's n- there's no way that he was really involved in that way he knows about it but he's sort of separate from it kind of like like we say you know something bad happens like yeah, i wasn't there you know hey sorry but hey yeah i'll step in now and i can help yeah. out and we kind of think like god acts in that way like he knows about it but he wasn't there and so that kind of removes him from any moral responsibility of the situation but uh, keeping together both his complete sovereignty and over everything and and control and omnipotence and yet also his complete goodness like he's actually involved in those things and yet not morally responsible for the evil that happens that is a struggle and so as you point out there cody some people have chosen to try and separate him kind of an extreme version of that is called open theism right where Mm -hmm. god which uh, unfortunately was deemed not a heresy uh a couple decades ago at the evangelical theological society ets um though i it's largely died this movement because it's so ridiculous um but it basically open theism is that the future is open and that we make choices and god responds to those choices and i don't know where anyone's really getting that in scripture and obviously this is a a podcast that's not been to answer these things you can read a book on it yeah (laughs) um and and you be warned um because it's super weird but uh i think that what's dangerous about believing that is there's no you lose meaning and and goodness in your hardship Hmm. well if if this is sort of separate from god and god's not involved then it really is a pointless event that's happening but paul's saying no everything works together for good because god is at work in everything Hmm. that happens to you um there's nothing that he is separate from and and that is not to say that he caused the evil sin caused the evil the evil one caused the evil but he's sovereign over all of it and i think removing god from that removes hope that this Hmm. tragic event or this mundane experience or whatever it is uh is it does have value um in my own personal sanctification uh yeah no that's a good point to bring up for sure and so that's yeah we know god is good but we don't know why bad things happen and i that's why i think i have a really easy time going man i sin a lot and i screw up a lot so i know why bad things happen to me you know, <laughs> I have an easy time reconciling that. It's like, but why did bad stuff happen to that guy? Or why did bad stuff happen to that seemingly innocent person? You know, yeah. um, and that that's like the struggle. And that's where we come back. Like I was saying, we preach this back to ourselves again. Yeah. God is good. Yeah. God is good. He has a good plan. We don't know why the bad things happen. Someday we see it all dimly on this side of heaven. Someday we'll be able to know fully what God was yeah. doing. Uh, but it's not today. Um, and so maybe your third point was uh, we know uh, that God loves us or knows us, loves us, uh, but we don't know why. Um, and we had a question in there that we thought would fit really, yeah. really well. Another question. <laughs> yeah, another question submitted, and it was about um, the idea of predestination, that God knows and loves us. Um, if if predestination um, you know, is a fact, would that take away our desire to go and evangelize to people, presuming that God's already decided who he's extending his grace to. Yeah. That was the question submitted. Yeah, the the you preface that with the word if predestination. This it is there. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. <laughs> so everybody yeah, believes so I meant if a, a certain way of, of looking at and it, believing yeah. about predestination. Is right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that question assumes an extreme view of predestination. It's actually not predestination. Mm. It's fatalism, mm. which is not biblical. Uh, or predeterminism would be maybe a lighter way of putting that. But fatalism is like, it doesn't matter. Uh, everything is... Wor- this would be maybe more of an Eastern religion view on like life and destiny and things like that. Um, but that's that's not the biblical way of thinking about predestination. Um, but the question being if God acts, what is my place in that? And I think one of, in, in regard to evangelism, and I think there was an old quote, uh, I think we were talking about it last week, um, the gentleman that went and preached, he was a missionary to India. Come on, why am I blanking on this? 
anyway, that guy, famous missionary, I'm blanking. Um, and and he went to go get sort of sent out, and the the knucklehead that he went and talked to said, if God ordained the heathen to be saved, he could do it on his own, like apart from you. And I'm <laughs> paraphrasing, which is just so stupid to yeah. say something like that, because though God ordains or predestines someone to salvation, God at the same time has ordained the means by which someone is saved. So God elects, but in this, look at the order here in, in the text. God foreknew, so he knew you before you knew him. And and that for love also motivated him to act in a predestination statement. He predestined you to a particular end to be conformed to the image of his son, but here's the means. Those whom he predestined, he then called. And that's that experience that that Rob was talking about. I was reading the scriptures, and all of a sudden God opened my eyes to see. That's like the what you would call the effect, effectual call. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen, right? People can hear the gospel, but are they hearing with ears to hear? Right. Um, is God opening those ears for them to listen? Um, so those whom he called... He then justified, and that's justified through faith. That's that person believing. Um, but but there's context, right? Because we're reading Romans 8, but we'll get to Romans 10, <laughs> where Paul is really answering this question. Yeah. How, how will they know unless someone tells them? Mm-hmm. And how is someone going to tell them unless that person is sent out? And so he's ju- he's ordained someone to salvation decreed before the foundations of the earth because he knew them however he's also ordained the means which is you and me his people going and bearing witness to his gospel and telling people about jesus now i don't know who that person is i don't know who is elect Mm -hmm. but i know there are elect people and it it gives me motivation and inspiration to know that i i really can't fail because a person's salvation is not based upon my ability to uh, I guess, winsomely, mm-hmm. passionately, creatively share the gospel. Um, like Paul said, I didn't come with you with all these awesome words. Again, I'm paraphrasing. I didn't come with <laughs> he didn't all say of these. Awesome he words. didn't say awesome. I think that's in the Bible. <laughs> with all these uh, amazing tricks. You know, I didn't, I didn't get all the scenario right. You know, I didn't have all the crowd and everybody move at the same time. We played the right song that pulled the right heartstring and led that emotion. You know, he's like, no, I just came and I, literally preached the cross foolishness to you. And some people like believed it and got saved. And that's because God was at work among those people. And so if anything, it doesn't uh, limit or prohibit evangelism. (coughs) It is the motivation and the foundation for our evangelism. If anyone wants uh, more information on this, they can read J.I. Packer's uh, great work, called evangelism and the sovereignty of god which lays that entire point out far better than and more fuller than what i just said and it's it's a small little book and you said it in your sermon we don't like in the we don't know why things happen the way you you said we don't we don't know why some people hear the gospel Mm -hmm. and respond to it we don't know why some people hear the gospel and think that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard right and they walk away we have no idea why and really on on either side of the predestination, you know, uh, uh, spectrum, everyone would agree that it's the Holy Spirit that saves someone. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that you believe more of an element of putting your faith, giving your life to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Maybe you mean believe more of another element, but we all, uh, as far as I know, (laughs) every, you know, Christian who believes in evangelism believes the Holy Spirit does the work and we can never know for sure why the Holy Spirit doesn't do the same work in every person. Right. We'll just never know. Because we pray. We pray, God save these people. Because <laughs> we know I don't I don't save people. Yeah, and my, mm-hmm. my uh, tricks don't right. save people. You know, it's God who saves people, and that's why we pray that he, that he would. Um, but it does make me think of a, a movie I watched about this pastor. He was a speaker. He toured all over the place. He's a real guy. I, I can't remember his name, and I don't know. Uh, if I recommend the movie, even <laughs> it was put out by This American Life, so not a Christian source. Okay. But 
in the movie, this guy, you see him at the beginning of the movie, and he goes way, way far from what we believe as biblical doctrine by mm. the end of the movie. But you see him in this movie where he is is so desperate to save everyone that he's exhausted. He's going from speaking engagement to speaking engagement, and he just wants to get on his plane and take a nap. And you see this conflict in him that he's like, I can't even rest. I have to talk to this next guy. I have to talk to the guy next to me on the plane. And and, and you see him just kind of collapsing into exhaustion in, in this movie, um, which I would say that's probably one of the first steps toward his – divergent to what we believe is not not biblical mm. theology anymore mm-hmm. um but that type of that type of of guilt and shame mm-hmm. that you like feel like you can't even rest ever because it all depends on you evangelizing the next person that's right. not a healthy spirituality that god intended for any of nobody us, really yeah. and so some of that to be able to take that weight off of yourself and say this is god's work that i participate in joyfully because I know he'll do something with it. It is a whole different scenario to put your mind and your spirit into. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. But he never slumbers nor grows tired or weary like no, we do. It's not on us. No. <laughs> and he cares more about people's salvation than we do, obviously. Because we're, we're talking about evangelism and oftentimes we ask these questions and we sit in the classes. But when was the last time we evangelized somebody? And I mean, we should be doing it on the regular and living lives that overflow in gospel witness constantly. And, and, uh, yeah, it's not a matter of, I mean, yeah, we should talk about the how, but we should be just doing it. (laughs) You know, we should just be telling people about Jesus and, uh, and, and we can rightly say, you know, God loves people. God loved the world and tell them, Hey, if you believe in Jesus, you know, you can be saved too. I mean, that's our message. I, I don't know who God chose. I don't know what what went into the counsels of his will of why some are chosen and not other. I don't know, but I just know that's what the Bible teaches. And uh, obviously there's great debate on those things, um, but I think it doesn't hinder us from evangelism, but mm-hmm. uh, encourages it, <clears throat> in fact. And one of the best tools for evangelism to bring it full circle is the the scripture we started today's podcast off with by being in your city, praying for the welfare of your city, thriving in your city, and letting people wonder what's going on with you, what you have, um, and then telling them what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, that, that last point, we know God has a plan for our lives, but we don't know what it is. Um, you know, the, 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 we don't know what it is. We don't know what college we should go to. We don't know like where we should, what house we should buy. You know, people get really into this, like, God, what, you know, should I order a double, double or should I Mm. not, you know, like all of those kinds of like animal style or yeah, exactly. (laughs) How should we do this? Um, obviously I'm from in and out or I'm from California. So I'm from in and out. out. (laughs) Feels that way sometimes. Jeez. I am what I eat. Um, but, but the, the idea of, being conformed to the image of Jesus. You know, God has that plan for all of our lives. And that's not uniformity, that's conformity. Mm. Um, we are all not going to look exactly the same, you know, in yeah. in that homogenous sense. But we will in that we will have his character um, in us. And I think that that is, should be our highest goal for ourselves, um, as that's God's goal for, for who we are or and who are, he's working in our lives to be. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. So we're getting pretty close to our time. Yeah. We're <laughs> we go done. we go long. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah. Uh, but we do want to uh, just close with a couple of, of quick things to get you thinking about Trunk or Treat is coming up. Um, speaking of, of being in your city mm. <laughs> and the welfare of it, although I don't know if that counts. We're giving candy, to kids. candy to kids. I mean, it's a touch point. That's like the welfare of the dentists <laughs> of our city. For but. real. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then life groups. We want you to have more conversations like this. We want you to, to be inspired to ask more questions like these. Um, so get a part uh, of a life group. Uh, come and help out and uh, and help out with uh, taking care of the kids because the kids are learning mm-hmm. on, on Thursdays too. Um, and I think that is about it for our podcast this week. We unfortunately don't have any authors to interview, so no bon- <laughs> no bonus episodes this week until Aaron writes a book. Mm, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? I, uh, 
I don't know if I'd read it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this on Sunday episode of the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about Canby Christian Church and its ministries, go to canbychristian.org.